Hello, my name is Joe Martin. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Toledo, Washington, and thank you for watching this weekend video. Most of you know that we've been trying to reestablish our camps and other works that we're doing. I'm uh, doing this a little bit uh, um, ahead of time so that I can get this to you. I know some of you uh, missed the cabin talk last week because I was at kids camp, and some of you may feel... Um, uh, you couldn't get the uh, online uh, the online service. It was live streamed on Sunday for the weekend, but the link got left off to our website. But it's there now, so you can catch it. I want to talk to you today about faith fights. <laughs> faith fights. You know, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of been a lot. I talked about this in the the midweek message about division and how we deal with it, being healers of division. I remember the story of this guy was on a desert island and there were, they finally got there and there were three huts and he was alone. He'd been there for years. And he, this one fellow said, well, what's this? What hut is this? He, well, this is my home. This is where I live. And the other guy said, then he said, well, what's that one over there? Well, that's, that's the church. And he said, well, what's that other church up on the hill? He said, that's the church that I quit because I didn't get along with the leader. <laughs> um, I know that's kind of silly, but the reality is there is a, a, um, there's a long history. Like my friend from the South said, he grew up in a small county seat town with a big Baptist church and a big Methodist church. And he grew up in that town learning to love God and hate the Methodists. The examples of Christians um, and their legacy of, of fights is, is really disgraceful. You know, Christians fighting Christians, faith fights. You know, in the aftermath of the Council of Chalcedon in 451 in the early church, Christians fought each other for centuries um, over the wording. Um, and though these issues were um, needed to be talked about and dealt with. They literally killed each other over this stuff on the nature of Jesus. You know, was he fully this? Was he that? Uh, hypo, you know, uh, you know, hypostatic union, all of these theologically uh, high theology issues that mattered, but they weren't the kind of thing that you needed to react, deal with each other in such an ungodly way. And you see, tens of thousands of people were killed in these wars between leaders, um, temporal leaders, using this as a way to consolidate power. There were oftentimes it's talked about the, the three crusades, and which were awful, where Christians fought Muslims just to gain land. But you know, it's one thing we, people don't talk about: Christians literally. Uh, attacked, the Western Christians attacked the Eastern Christian brothers in Constantinople, killed thousands of people, looted the place, you know, violated all kinds of women and people in the name of their cause. You know, the popes promised their soldiers salvation in heaven for their participation in wars to, to against certain groups. It could, a lot of them were other groups in the faith. The people that did not ascribe to their particular brand of the faith, like the Waldenses or others, such promise, as one writer said, has a kind of a creepy modern ring. You know, then Martin Luther came along 
He stirred up things, which he sent his 95 thesis um, on the wall in, in 1517. Uh, by 1525, large areas of Europe were in flames over issues of belief between people who all claimed to be Christians. The wars ended in 1648 with the Peace of Westphalia, which allowed the princes to determine the religion of the state. But as a result of these wars, they say 25 to 50 percent of the population of Germany, France, were killed over church doctrine, faith fights. Historical evidence is um, certainly true that individual Christian nations with the predominance of Christians have been violent, used religion as an excuse. And this has happened in the modern times, too. You know, in the 17th century, the Thirty Years' War went on, 8 million fatalities. Um, in the USA, we had the Civil War. By the way, the Civil War split most um, uh, church groups, Baptists split. Southern Baptists became Southern Baptists, Northern Baptists. Southern Methodists became Southern Methodists. And against the rest of the Methodist groups, the Presbyterians split. The Episcopal troops, they split not over Christ, but over slavery and the support of slavery. This is a terrible thing. And, you know, 800,000 Americans died in that war. In the, in the Great Britain, this happened with the roundheads and the cavaliers over the belief that the king had the divine right. This has happened over and over again. These not biblical beliefs. And uh, they were 200,000 deaths from that one. And so I, you say, well, um, man, you know, even in America, the um, Puritans persecuted everybody who didn't agree with them. And that's where Roger Williams founded Providence and he left. He was driven out and founded the First Baptist Church in America. You see, battles between groups then and in groups right now are greatly destructive. Within, not just within churches, but between churches. These are so common, it's embarrassing. And some of you may have been casualties out of this, these conflicts between people. You know, my friend who was from a, from a uh, Finnish sect, they didn't believe anybody was saved but them. And one day I said, you know, he was a pastor and I, we were friends. And I said, you know, I think you're a Christian, but you don't think I'm a Christian. And he said, well... Maybe you a Christian, but none of those other Baptists. <laughs> you know, the Bible says the greatest danger to the destruction of God's church and the degradation of the gospel is not from the world. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, it says. But it's disunity from within. People say uh, that are unbelievers, they'll say if... If you're known as disciples by your love for one another, why can't you people just get along? Many Christians are known for who they are against and what they are against than who they are for. You know, in um, Luke nine forty nine, our study on faith fights, there's a little little parenthetical thing that teaches us some things. In, John, in Luke 9.49, it says, John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to prevent him because he does not follow along with us. 
But Jesus said to him, Do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. This was just another expression from these guys of Luke 9.46. An argument started among them as to which of them might be the greatest. Now, you remember Jesus had said, a child, and you need to be childlike, not childish. You know, people think, I am so much smarter, I am so much more theologically orthodox, I am so much more conservative, or I am or the all-time favorite nowadays, whatever it means. I'm more biblical. I hear people calling things biblical from that have not, I cannot figure out where they got that, what it has to do with the Bible. But these are used for everything without question. You know, somebody that says something biblical, you say, show me where that actually is and whether it's just a proof text. Faith fights happen when you don't discern the difference between one, fellowship and fellowship. You know, people cannot be in your fo- fellowship, your particular local church, and still have fellowship of Christ, still know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. It might be cultural differences or language differences or national differences. It might be historical differences. Faith fights happen when you can't discern the difference between fellowship and fellowship. People do not need to be exactly like you in order to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, you might wish they were or disagree with them on some things, but if they have a relationship where they really follow the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in a personal relationship with him, you, you, you have to know the difference. Secondly, faith fights happen when you don't discern the difference between Christology and ideology. Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. It wasn't about his name. It was about their brand. They were casting out these demons in the name of Jesus, in the nature of Jesus Christ. You know, I've read so many self-appointed experts criticizing other teachers, people's other teachers' theology. That's what their whole thing is. They have blogs and YouTube and everything, and their whole thing is just a polemic all the time. It's, it it get, can get you a crowd. They're they're self-appointed experts criticizing other teachers of theology. And and as I listen and I listen and I listen, it ends up almost always being about ideology and not about theology. They may use a proof text here and there, but it's never about if that person really believes or what that person believes about Jesus, whether it's orthodox, whether it's essential. It's about some political or cultural difference or some tradition or some structural difference in their opinion. You know why they stopped those guys? It wasn't because they thought that they were wrong using Jesus' name. Because they did not follow along with us. We're it. Our brand. This is proprietary. This is always how denominations, which are groups that choose to cooperate together to get a common thing done, become sectarian. We're it. You know, when I was a new Christian, I was influenced by somebody who's a really good man, loved the Lord, but he was influenced by the belief that people had to essentially have a Baptist baptism that fit this certain criteria. And they were all about this big fight about alien immersion and keeping people that had weird theology that didn't agree with them on everything. And, you know, when I didn't know anything, I didn't have a good grasp yet. That's a whole other story. But 
I would tell, argue with people, say, you know, I know that you were baptized and I know from what I can tell you were baptized by immersion and you were a Christian and they were believers and they didn't believe it saved you. And there was nothing really wrong with their baptism. But because I was taught this, I insisted on them being rebaptized. I regret that. It was wrong. I did this because I was taught, I was taught the sectarianism, but it was not the scripture. And I, I rejected it and I changed that. But the fact is, it happens to many, many people. Jesus Christ must be the basis of who we consider a Christian or a follower of Jesus. We may have our own distinctions. You may have preferences and languages and cultures and, and the way you like the music or, or that, you can, that you can choose to fellowship with those people. But don't do this. Well, I'm not sure they're saved because they don't go on the right day or they don't eat the right food or whatever. You know, there's a quote that's somewhat con- been controversial about. A, it's attributed to Augustine. And he said this, in essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In everything, let's be loving. In the essential things, we need to have unity. Christ is God. Christ is Lord. Christ is sufficient. Christ is essential. Christ is enough. And we can add some more to that. The death and burial and resurrection of Christ. I mean, it all fits into that. The sufficiency of, of his atoning work. Faith fights happen when you don't live by that. Faith fights happen when you don't discern the difference between helping and hindering. You think you're doing good. You're a, you're a warrior for peace out. You're a warrior for truth out there. You know, you think that you are helping, but you're actually hindering the kingdom. People think they're purifying the church, whatever their idea is, are purifying others i.e. making them agree with them or like them or follow all the same, click off all the same points, which even people within their own camp can't totally agree on the definitions. But here's what Jesus said, verse 50. But Jesus said to them, do not hinder him, for he is not against us. Is not against you, is for you. Oh, I know that's going to be hard for you. You think that I've gone soft. No. He who is not against you is for you. Jesus said it. You know, Paul said later in 1 Corinthians 3.3, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, and a lot of this is just about jealousy, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Don't spend your short life seconds on polemics, exalting your higher views at the expense of exalting and loving Christ and his people. What a waste. What a waste of time. What a waste of breath. You know, First Corinthians, First Thessalonians, Paul says this is what you need to be focused on. Paul in First Thessalonians 3.11, Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. If you, you know, this is what we are to pray that God gives us a bigger love, not just for for one another, but for all people. So if you see someone doing good, don't hinder them. 
Don't start being their critic. Well, they're doing great stuff, but... And you know where you can help. You know, we're called, as one friend from church said, we're called to be brothers, not twins. Don't compete. Oh, that's so huge right now. Church is competing against each other. Don't compete. Those that compare themselves against themselves are unwise, the Bible says. Don't compete as many do these days. And don't disrespect people. Help if you can. You know, many fam- you know, many families may not be as healthy as your family. And that's true with your church family, too. They may not have some things all figured out. You may not, um, you may not fit into some fellowships. Maybe you won't fit into this fellowship. But you can still love and respect other people's fellowship. You can, under, you can still love and respect their fellowship. You may not fit into their fellowship, but you could still respect their fellowship. I pray that you'll do that, that we could have a big heartedness. You know, it's going to take all of those who really know Jesus to really do the work instead of fight with each other in order to get what God wants done. The next steps today you can consider, you'll find them below at the bottom of your screen. You can go to the link there. And here's some things that you ought to really do in response to this. If you have not, you should respond in this way. I'm turning to Jesus as my Lord, God, and Savior. I'm telling you what, he's the only one that ultimately is going to have mattered in your life. There's going to be one question um, when you stand before God, what did you do with my son? And if you say you were a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or you were a Reform or you were Armenian or whatever your hobby horse is, you're going to miss it. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy it in your name? And in your name do many wonderful works. And in the, and then I will say to them, you didn't know me. You may say, look, I have never been baptized. I want to be baptized. And the reason I say that, we have a baptism on the 21st after the church picnic in the river. Man, I hope you do it. Uh, and then you um, may say this, pray I can practice in essentials unity in non-essentials, liberty, and all things charity. And I pray, you pray for me that I would, and that we do this together. Thank you for watching. God bless. Thank you so much for your generous support. Many of you give online. You can go down to and click that button that says give. You can become an ongoing giver. Thank you for doing that. In all things, charity.